0: Okay, when I say the word diversity, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? French. That was rhetorical. <laughs> In today's woke environment, perhaps it's the preoccupation with ethnicity or for that matter, sexual orientation. In the day and age in which we live, corporations are running to and fro for an opportunity to bow at the altar of what they would call equity. Unfortunately, the the winds of culture are certainly tossing them to and fro like crumbled leaves on a fall day. What about in the church? Once again, unfortunately, there are many who have bought into or drunk the proverbial Kool-Aid, so to speak, of critical social justice, even within the church, unfortunately. Having said that, without going down a rabbit trail, separate of my purpose for today, let me just briefly say this in response to that. Instead of an overemphasis upon a phony, a bogus approach to create a false sense of diversity within the church, how about we preach the gospel with boldness in season and out of season? How about we love people of all ethnicities? Because they're image bearers of God. How about we let the Lord Jesus Christ grow his church? Amen? That'd be a novice idea. Nevertheless, I digress. I do want to talk about diversity here today. But not from that hijacked secular perspective. I want to look at just one verse along with... Several correlating passages of Scripture. Ephesians 4-7 for us here today. One verse that communicates loud and clear. God has gifted the church with individual diversity. He's already done so and he's done so for the body's benefit. If we were to give a theme to this verse, that would be it. That God has gifted the church with individual diversity. Webster's defines diversity as the condition of having or being composed of differing elements. Variety. So, what are those differing elements and variety within the church? I'll tell you this. If it was the Lord's will to bring let's just say ethnic diversity to this church, I would say praise the Lord. And I would hope you would say the same as well. Like Revelation 5, 9, people from all tribes, tongues, language, and peoples. That would be a blessing. However, at the end of the day, my greater desire is for us to walk in what's already here. Ethnic diversity is irrelevant in the grand scheme of things. What is it that is already here? What are those differing elements of diversity within our church? It's spiritual gifts that each and every one of you, if you are a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, have. And this verse as a sort of transition verse from the following six verses that we looked at last week. I would call it a sort of lightning rod for what's to come and many of the applicational points of emphasis that Paul lays out in these coming chapters. You might even say that it's a, a stick of dynamite to bring forth an explosion of Unity. Within the church. Why is that? It's about the power. That's behind each part. Of the individual body. Even though we've seen the importance. Of the church as a whole. We saw that at the end of chapter 3. In Paul's prayer. And then verses 1 through 6. Of chapter 4. Unity in the church. Was the title of our message. Last week. Even though. That's an emphasis and a critical element. The body is made up of individual parts. Each part plays a vital function in the whole. Each part is equal in substance, yet distinct in nature as well as gifts and roles and abilities. The divine flow of this text is just magnificent. Think about how even Paul closed the previous section. And our final point last week, we labeled it the model of unity. The triune Godhead serves as the perfect model of unity. And yet, what do we know about the Trinity? That all three persons are equal in essence, yet distinct and separate in persons in a similar fashion today. We're going to see unique diversity within the one unified body of Christ. Now, that begs the question, and sometimes it's temptation for us all. We'll touch on it throughout this message. Does that in any way mean That certain portions or parts of the body are more valuable or more important than others. Of course not. Even likewise with Jesus. Just because he came, as he said, to do the will of his Father, does that make him less than? May it never be. And to say so is rightfully labeled as heresy. Nevertheless, what we'll see this morning is a diversity comprised of God-given gifts for the benefit of a unified church. Diversity with unity. Now, as for the text and the the next section, you might say, of of this passage, the big umbrella is is verse 7 through 16, with one unifying theme and thought that he's working with. Although one of the beauties of expositional preaching, and as I I was preparing and looking at this section and what is to come for us as we work our way through the Word of God, is that sometimes you just need to hit a pause button. And you just need to slow down, and you got to say, wow, this is going to be rich this is going to be important for us and and that's exactly what we're doing today It's just dealing with this one verse verse seven why is that it's because it's an opportunity for us to be challenged on a foundational level in an area and topic that is essential for any healthy christian church revolving around this idea of diversity within the church, understanding diversity in the terms of spiritual gifts. Now, of course, with just this one verse and the time that we have here today, I can't do a deep dive. And hopefully, maybe in the future, that might be something that we would examine as, as a deep dive concerning spiritual gifts. Nevertheless, it's a foundational opportunity for us to be challenged and encouraged and an element that is critical and essential to the health of a church, along with the unity of a church. So I want us to answer the question, in light of all that this morning, how does diversity contribute to unity, to the health of the church? So I invite you to turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. And if you would, please stand with me for the reading of this one verse, our text for this morning, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. The word of God reads, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of of christ's gift amen you may be seated i want us to look at three characteristics today revolving around this diversity in the church so if you're taking notes our first characteristic is number one the extent of diversity the extent of diversity notice to begin the verse paul identifies a transition with this simple conjunction, this simple word, but. If unity in the church was the emphasis in the first six verses, what's this new transition? Where is, where is he going? Look again at the first part of this verse. He says, but to each one of us, grace was given. In verses 2 through 6, Paul uses the word one seven times. In those verses, once again, it's on the emphasis of unity within the body. Yet here, the transition is to more of an individual focus. Why is this helpful? From a general perspective, Paul's just begged or urged or pled with the church that they would be diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace, that they would walk in a manner worthy of the calling in which they have been called. Even so, how does this now all inclusive, more laser focused and now individualized statement play a role in contributing to unity and the health of the body? I think it's like target practice. If I set a target out with multiple rings. And asked you to hit that target. Multiple rings. More than likely. Chances are you're going to hit the target. If I use that illustration from a spiritual perspective. You say, amen pastor. I can affirm the truth. That it is the church's general Big picture. Multiple rings. Responsibility to preserve the unity of the spirit. I got you on that, Pastor. Big picture. Multiple rings. However, a bullseye requires a far greater level of commitment. Now you're meddling, Pastor. You mean I actually have to be involved? The church should preserve the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. You're telling me now I need to be involved. I have a role to play. I can hit that general target. But now you're asking me to focus in on the bullseye. To be more focused on my role. This is exactly why I believe this individual more targeted communication is helpful. It pertains to a greater level of commitment, individually, to the benefit of the body as a whole. Now, on a natural perspective, if we were at a shooting range, perhaps you you still have an excuse. Not everyone has the ability to zero in on the bullseye. Nonetheless, spiritually speaking, this is different. God, if you are a believer, has given you sharpshooter abilities to focus in, to zero in on your gift. If that's the case, yes, Ephesians 4, 7 clearly helps us to see that, but does Scripture interpret Scripture? Are you still tempted, perhaps, to question that markmanship ability, to be more laser-focused, to understand that, yes, God has given me a gift and I have a role to play. Let's see what Scripture says. I'm going to take you through a couple passages as Scripture interprets Scripture here. Look back at Matthew. Keep your hand in Ephesians. Matthew chapter 25, verse 15. In the parable of the talents, I want you to hear, and you'll know it, Jesus' words here in Matthew 25, verse 15. He says, To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each one according to his own ability he went on his journey. Now, and the last characteristic, I'm going to deal a little bit with the temptation for us to question that distribution of those gifts. Unfortunately, it happens. And we shouldn't go there. And we'll talk about that. But for now, realize the fact that we've all been given talent, so to speak, if you will. Look over in Romans chapter 12. Verses 3 and 4. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than ought to think, but think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, And all members do not have the same function. So even in this passage, once again, we see the extent of diversity. You're going to hear a common theme, this word, each of us. We have the unity that creates, is created in one body. And then we have a variety of function that contributes to the health of the body. Or look over at 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I'm sorry, yeah, chapter 7, verse 7. I don't want to get to 12, I'm getting ahead of myself. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 7. Once again, building the case that Scripture interprets Scripture concerning the extent of diversity which applies to each and every one of us. Verse 7 of chapter 7 reads, Yet I wish that all men were even as I myself am. However, each man has his own gift from God. One in this manner and another in that. A couple chapters over, still in 1 Corinthians. Chapter 12, verse 7. Chapter 12, verse 7 reads, But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And then one more, turn towards the back of your Bibles in First Peter. Right prior to first, second, and third John. First Peter chapter four verse ten. 1 Peter chapter four verse ten reads As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now you can turn back to Ephesians. So our primary focus is this characteristic, the extent of diversity, the simple fact each and every believer is given a spiritual gift. Scripture interprets Scripture. And this is a clear testimony of Scripture. Nonetheless, if I can accept that I'm gifted of the Lord, then then what comes next? I understand. I see the testimony. Well, there's a couple directions we could go, obviously. But for now... Let's say this. Look down at Ephesians 4, verses 11 and 12. Thinking about, I understand that I have a gift. What am I going to do with it? Ephesians 4, verses 11 and 12, which we'll get to in more detail in a couple weeks. Paul says, And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, For the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. So what do we see here? It's all about the priority of the body. Now, I know what some of you may be thinking just looking at the context of Ephesians 4 and 11 and 12. What if, pastor, I don't have the gift of teaching or leadership? That's what Paul's alluding to in Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. Don't forget, my friends, to each one of us, grace was given. Each of you have been given some gift, or two, or three. What's more, as we've seen multiple times, it's for the benefit of the body. Ephesians 4 and 11 and 12, for the building up of the body or throughout all of those passages that we just looked at. In light of that, ask yourself, what am I doing even now with the gift that God has given me for the benefit of this church, for the benefit of this body, for the health of this body? What else could we say? Sometimes I think it's helpful to even give an illustration and an application from a negative perspective. And let me do so here. If you've been tempted in the past or perhaps even today, you've come with an attitude that says, what's in it for me? I'm coming to church and in some respects I understand you want to be fed you want to grow you want to receive teaching and preaching and fellowship and by all means praise the Lord you should but what is our heart motive from A to Z is it always what's in it for me if that's the case can I be so bold to say to you, beloved brother or sister, you need to repent of that type of mentality. It's not healthy for you, and it's not healthy for the church. Certainly, there is no doubt in any church throughout the world that men and women, myself included, need to grow In our abilities and in our gifts that God has given us. Nevertheless, if we find ourselves continually and consistently saying, I didn't get anything out of church today. Maybe we're missing the mark. Remember, what did Jesus come to do? But to serve and not to be served. If you're a believer. Then the Lord has given you. A spiritual gift. For the benefit of the body. Sometimes a gift or two or three. What's more I promise you this. You'll be surprised. At the level of fulfillment. Fulfillment. That you will have when utilizing the gifts that God has given you within the context of the local church, even if your pastor's a little boring at times. Having said that, though, perhaps you still want a little more meat on the bone, maybe a little more specifics to sink your teeth into concerning spiritual gifts. Well, let me offer up an appetizer for you in our second characteristic, and that's number two, the gift of diversity, the gift of diversity. Now, I say appetizer here because in a message such as this, I'm not in a position to serve the whole course so to speak, the whole entree. Nonetheless, I still want to whet your appetite from a fundamental perspective. So, in verse 7, with this characteristic, our focus is upon these three words, grace was given. Now, some of you may have already even thought this, leading up to this, and you might be thinking, where are you getting spiritual gifts with grace was given? Well, to begin with, remember I mentioned that this is the overall section of 7 through 16. We can see even in the context with verse 8 that gifts are tied in. We'll expound the overall meaning of that section next week, but you can see that spiritual gifts in verse 8 are given to men. There's more, though. Still, even within this verse, the letter as a whole, and several portions of Scripture that continue to interpret itself. First off, in this verse, there's no doubt that grace is connected to Christ's gift at the end of the verse. Moreover, the verb given... it's it's a sort of what we would call a divine passive. That means to say that the grace is given by God to the believer. Now, that of course... If we even hearken back to Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, could be potentially, some might say, applied to saving grace. Nevertheless, here, the collective information demonstrates otherwise. Look back at chapter 3, verse 2, and how Paul explains it there. He says, If indeed... You have heard of the stewardship of God's grace, which was given to me for you. And not to mention. In Romans 12, verse six and first Corinthians 12, verse four, which we'll look at later. He uses a form of this word grace in the original language that is also translated as gifts Not to mention, and I think this is important for us, to stay grounded in humility. What does the word gift even imply in itself? It's received. Now, I know the analogy fails on some levels, especially in our day and age. We're akin to going out and buying our own gift, but I think you understand the implication that I'm making, that we see within the text, that we understand from Scripture as a whole and even in Ephesians 4, 7. It's essential that we realize that spiritual gifts are given to us. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 reads, but to each one, there's that each again, is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common So whether it's in this verse, the grammar of the verse, the context of the section, the letter as a whole, or even similar uses of this word graced as similar to gifts, they all help us to understand this is, in essence, Paul is saying a manifestation of the spirit for the common good, spiritual gifts for the body. Now, perhaps you're still wondering where that appetizer's at. Let me offer a suggestion if I'm your server. And let me make another applicational note of warning again from a negative but beneficial perspective for you. Beware, my friends. Of man-made psychological attempts. We see this especially within the corporate world. And it's really infiltrating within the church more and more. At creating an opportunity for you to manufacture who you think you are. And the gifts and talents and abilities that you would desire yourself. Enneagram studies. Or fluff like that. Unfortunately my friends. At times. Opens doors for our own creation. Of what we want to be. We need to be aware of this. I'm not saying. Don't hear what I'm not saying. That every type of self-awareness model. Is for the birds. But. But. It's critical that we understand our identity is in Christ. And he is the one who determines our gifts and abilities. Not to mention, he is the one who determines how it will be used for the common good and benefit of the church. Amen. Now, so far... I've only warned you. I've only confirmed the truth of the extent and the gift of diversity. Maybe you're still thinking, help me, pastor. I hear what you're saying. I need some guidance, personal guidance, concerning my spiritual gift. I understand it's for each one of us that grace has been given. You need a suggestion off the menu, if you will. Well, let me try and touch on the the spiritual menu that we see within Scripture concerning spiritual gifts. Once again, I can't do a deep dive on this. Hopefully, by God's grace, this drives you even more to deep dive yourself into the Scriptures if you don't already know and what God has gifted you with. But Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 are the primary lists For spiritual gifts. Just to briefly categorize. And list them. There's what we would call. Speaking. And serving. Gifts. The speaking are. Number one. Prophecy. And it's. I need to give a quick caveat on that. That has nothing to do. With foretelling. In this church age. It is. Foretelling. That is. In essence, what we have with prophecy still in operation in the church age. Not foretelling the future, but forthtelling, proclaiming the knowledge of God. Knowledge, the deep awareness of the truth. Some of you have that, most certainly. Wisdom, an application of that truth. Teaching. We certainly have gifted men and women within this church that are using that gift for the benefit of this church. And then exhortation or encouragement. What an incredible gift that is. Not to put one gift higher than the other, but we all need encouragement. If that is you here in this room, then praise the Lord. Are you using it? Are you blessing the body? Are you creating... Bridges of unity through your encouragement in the midst of turmoil or frustration. That could be in any situation. And then we have serving gifts. That is leadership, helps, giving, mercy, faith, and then discernment be able to understand what is right and wrong simply speaking and then within those two passages of scripture you you might have noticed some of you that are on point here that there's four that I haven't listed and that was purposefully four gifts that are no longer in operation within the church age those are miracles and healing and tongues and interpretation of tongues and then let me say this I had a sweet conversation just on Friday with a dear sister within this church about miracles and healing is God still in the business of miracles and healing yes amen certainly and we go before the throne of grace with boldness and confidence and often we say oh God If it is your will, please heal this individual. The greatest miracle, some of you men that are with us on the men's Bible study on Tuesday night, the greatest miracle that is still going on to this day is the salvation of a dead sinner. Amen? Hallelujah. difference is is that God is not working miracles and healing through men like he did prior to the revelation of his revealed canon in the 66 books of the Bible. If you need further clarification on that I don't have time but you can go back and listen to a message that I did here maybe a year and a half ago called signs wonders and miracles question mark for information there. Having said that, though, how do you identify with one or two or more spiritual gifts? As a true born-again believer, I know your heart's desire is to be a blessing to the common good of this church. Although maybe you just don't know where and how or what your gift is. Let me keep it really simple. Get serving. Get serving. In some capacity, whatever it is, God will open doors for you to serve. And when you do, you will begin to feel his pleasure in areas of gifting that you have. And I'll tell you this, you get serving and you find that this is not necessarily, sorry, maybe I'm just getting too hyped up. What do you think that is, Logan? even if you find that where you're serving is not your spiritual gift then look for the next opportunity to serve and eventually you will find it and I'll tell you this too as well when you operate within your gifts for the benefit of the common good and the mutual edification of the body of Christ others will begin to affirm your gift Speak into your life. You are an incredible encouragement to me. You are such a wonderful help to this church. You are an incredible teacher of God's word. This is something that is crucial for us to understand. And... Help with the benefit of our body as well as even the unity of our body. Now, in, in, in light of that, before we move to our final characteristic, I want to share a quote with you that perfectly fits what I'm expounding for you here today, and especially this gift of diversity. It's from my, one of my good friends. I would consider him to be my pastor, Don Green at Truth Community Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. He said, and I quote, When you start being more concerned about what you can give to the body of Christ than what you get from the broader body of Christ, you are starting to understand God's call on your life, end quote. That's so simple, but so powerful when it comes to spiritual gifts and how we use them to bless and serve others. So, let's turn our attention to the final characteristic. I want to briefly address it with another Helpful application. And that's number three. The distribution of diversity. The distribution of diversity. Let me read the entire verse again with a focus on the latter half. Paul says, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift now let me quickly say this up front we understand that it is the spirit's role and i even unpacked this in detail on pentecost sunday maybe a year two years ago on the message the power of the spirit it is the spirit's role that distributes and gives gifts to believers Having said that, this verse is not contradicting Scripture when it says, by the administration or by according to the measure of Christ's gift. This is just to say that generally speaking, generally speaking, the gifts are distributed by God. We know specifically, spiritually speaking, it is the Spirit's role to do so. I just need to make sure there's no confusion there. Scripture never contradicts Scripture. So it's important for us to point that out. Nonetheless, our focus here is the distribution of diversity and how it contributes to the overall health and unity of the church. We can plainly see from Ephesians 4-7 that that is the case. Let me give you two others and then steer us home with some final application. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that chapter that is a primary chapter for examining spiritual gifts, the apostle speaks concerning these gifts and then moves into verse 11 and says the following. But one in the same spirit works all these things distributing to each one individually as he wills. Or a couple of verses later, same chapter, verse 18, he says, but now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. God is the distributor of gifts. There's no doubt from the testimony of scripture concerning the measure of his will and his desire to bestow to be the giver of gifts for the benefit of the body as a whole. Hopefully by now that is abundantly clear. Be that as it may, how do we respond? How do we respond? Especially in light of this last characteristic. The distribution of diversity. Let me give you a couple final passages for self-examination and reflection. Romans chapter 12, verse 3 reads, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Unfortunately, within the body of Christ, and I think it's just human nature, we attribute gifts at a higher level, especially teaching gifts and leadership gifts. That, that, that is not the case. We need to be careful of this. Even that illustration I gave in the beginning concerning the Trinity, that God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit are equal in divine essence, nature, yet they have distinctly different roles. If you are gifted with the, the gift of helps or giving, which is so often behind the scenes and, and many people don't see or realize, you are just as vital to this church as the pastor or any other leader within the church. And I want you to know that, and to embrace that. Be careful. Think of this from a sober judgment. And for those of you that are teachers, I think this applies even more We need to be sober about the gifts that we've been given and not to think highly of ourselves because maybe we're out in the front more often. In Matthew chapter 20 in the parable of the vineyard workers, contextually, men were not happy with the master's distribution of funds. Well, I worked all day and he worked one hour, and now you're paying me the same wage. How can that be? Well, in verse 15, we hear the response. of Matthew chapter 20, when we read, Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? Ouch. I'm, I'm thinking those, those guys said that. Ouch. So, what's the point? The challenge for us all is to beware of jealousy, to be, beware of placing gifts on different levels. They're equal in substance, yet, they have distinctive roles that contribute to the body. We need to beware of covetousness. Oh, I wish I was gifted to be a teacher. No, don't go there. God is the distributor of gifts. He has given you a gift for the benefit of the body. And he has chosen to use you in that capacity. He's fearfully and wonderfully made you Just as you are today. Let's be honest. Whatever gift we've been given. I'm going to have to just stand still. And then keep doing that. Whatever gift we've been given. None of us deserve any of it. Whatever gift you have. Amen. Amen. Embrace who God has created you to be and use it for the benefit of the body. This will undoubtedly play a major role in contributing to even our theme from last week. God has created and designed unity for the church. So, that message is primarily for my beloved brothers and sisters in Christ. Hopefully, by God's grace, nearly everyone within this room. But I need to close with just one final thought. Maybe there's someone here today who's in no position to even consider a spiritual gift. Because you have never... Received the ultimate gift of salvation. If that is anyone here today, nothing else matters than what I'm about to say. I want to challenge you from Psalm 84, verse 10, which reads For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Oh, dear friend, if there's anyone here today, and that is you still dwelling in the tents of wickedness, humble yourself like a simple doorkeeper. I promise you this, all, all who turn from their sin and trust through faith in Christ alone will receive that gift. Amen? Bow with me. Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you, thank you again for your precious word, your precious word that is just sweeter than honey, your precious word that covers all of our sin. Lord, as we consider the reality that grace was given to each one of us, certainly we think of our salvific grace. Thank you, Lord, that you counted us worthy, not because of anything in and of ourselves, but because of the blood that you shed on the cross for your sheep. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that because of that saving grace, not only did you just leave us with that, that would be enough, oh God. But you've even empowered us with the Spirit that gives us gifts in order that we might bless and be an encouragement and be a blessing to the body of Christ in which you shed your blood for. Oh God, I pray that by the power of your spirit you would move within your people here today and convict us and challenge us to ask ourselves, Lord, What is my gift? How can I use your gift that you've given to me to bless this body for the health of this body, for the unity of this body, for the glory of your name? For it's in that name, our risen Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords, in whom we pray, in whom we bow before, and whom we submit to. That name. The name above all names. In Jesus Christ's name we